This is Random Discourse, the podcast. Welcome, everybody. Uh, what is this? Uh, the episode two of the two thousand of the year two thousand sixteen Random Discourse podcast. Uh, you know, uh, this is Darrington. Uh, of course, I have Anton joining me. Anton, what's happening? Uh, what's going on, man? Today we're going to be discussing a little uh, what football, basketball, indeed. Some, some primarily uh, the college football championship game, NFL playoffs, the wild card weekend. Um, going to discuss what's going on with the LA Lakers as far as with Kobe Bryant and what Mitch Kupchak came out and said just recently, and as well as the goings on with the Brooklyn Nets, it seems that uh, Mikhail Prokhorov has finally decided that he enough is enough and he wants to head in a different direction with the Nets. Um, <clears throat> of course, Anton, where can the people find you before we even get started? Uh, they can find me at Please Hate D. Uh, on all relevant social media outlets and you can find me at random discourse at, on all relevant social media outlets primarily instagram and the twitters and i keep saying i'm gonna be on periscope but i just haven't gotten the hang of this thing yet yeah yeah you know it's it's not too many people that have you know you got a uh, jim gaff again spitter you know and true hoop tv that's about it yeah well and as always if you're not able to join it live with us um we are i do put this on youtube and we have our own youtube channel now random discourse and also we are uh you can find this available on soundcloud for your listening pleasure disclosure <laughs> oh yeah i forgot to tell you that man yeah you're on uh youtube just one it's just one show it's just one show so C. it's not like it's not like you uh... <laughs> it's okay man i mean the, the ladies love you so you irreparable gotta get your pretty harm. face out there irreparable harm uh no, man <laughs> ain't no irreparable harm but um it just came out man before we even before we hop into the the topics it just came out that the owners have decided to allow the Rams to move back to Los Angeles. So, you know, they're going, going back, back to Cali, Cali, so to speak. And they put a little caveat in there that if the San Diego Chargers wanted to get in on this, on that move, that they are more than welcome to. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. Uh, I just wanted to see if you had anything you wanted to say. Any uh, thoughts? Actually, man, it's kind of huge. Uh, it goes back to uh, my ongoing uh, state of uh, economics and sports and how underlying cities are affected uh, or can be translated, you know, into how their sports scenes they're doing. Uh, and St. Louis is, this is a huge hit to have the nation's most popular sport uh, to leave and although you're a powerhouse in baseball, it's such a regional sport that they're going to lose national significance, you know. And uh, for, you know, unless Nelly is going to come back or the new Nelly is going to come back with uh, to bring St. Louis back, this could really spell trouble for the city. Yeah. And the owner of what Stan Kroenke was saying that St. Louis is better off actually being a two sport team and that the NFL that 
when the Rams actually moved back there, what was that back in 94, that they haven't really sustained the type of fanfare and success um, as far as, you know, fans going into the stadium and financial success as he would like, because. So you I mean, choose to that, move to LA? It, that doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, I, yeah. I, I, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me either, but I guess they but feel that they're going to begin. You are yeah, happy? I, oh, yeah. I'm happy because like, I think the yellow and blue uh, of the uniforms works much better for L.A. than it does St. Louis. Even though the blues have the similar color pattern, I think I think the, the pattern is better for the sunshine. You know what I mean? But nobody's going to want to go to the games in L.A. That's the thing. That was a problem. That's why teams left L.A., because there's so much more to do in L.A. than actually go sit at a stadium for a couple of hours and waste away that beautiful afternoon that you get during the football season. But they need that TV contract. I mean, are you no, really going that's to? All it that's all it is. No, this is all about the TV. Yeah, I, I think they'll Even get that the TV, initial. TV is a dying thing, but, yeah, this is about that. I mean, if the Rams were smart, what they would do is they would move to L.A. or get that brand new stadium and try to get an Internet deal Mm. of exclusivity, similar to what um, Bomber is trying to do with the Clippers, just trying to get out of that that contract with the how the NBA has it with the NBA TV and um, league pass and just offer their games. Yeah, Yeah, and. You never know. I think that's where eventually where sports is that's going where to be headed. To, yeah, that's where it has to go after the ESPN contract. So, but oh well. But as such as life, such is. I mean, we might as well since we're talking to NFL, we might as well stick stick within in in this sport and um, profession in the professional ranks, I should say. And the wild card weekend, man, it was very underwhelming to say the least. Underwhelming yet. Amazing destruction, you know. What I mean, I mean it was there was like only one game that offered amazing horror. destruction. It was beautiful horror. What one? One two? Did you forget about the Bengal Steelers already? No, that's the only game I'm talking about. What what yeah. other game are you talking about? Yeah. How, how do you, how does AP fumble the ball and they miss a 24 yard kick happening the same like no like and with in the rust play. No, like that was a beautiful destruction, dog. Like you just saw that happening, and you're like, I can't believe I'm seeing what just happened. Man, I, I'm gonna say this: the Peterson fumble didn't lose the game for them. The missed field goal lost the game for them. That, let, no. in, in, in all honesty, no. the missed field goal lost the game for them because they were able if they were able to drive back down the field and get get within a, to to have a chip shot to win the game. So you tell me that didn't. All plays matter. You know what I mean? All plays matter. And when you hashtag when that? When, yeah, for sure. For sure. Because like if he doesn't fumble the ball, they're not in at the field position they were at when Russ makes that big home run play. Even though it was crazy, it still happened. But they only had that far to go uh to score because of AP. Okay, I can give you I'll I'll concede that point to you. I will concede so, that point to you. But as far as the Texans, man, they shouldn't even let the Texans play. I I think they really need to talk at the owners' meeting about when 
division winners aren't over 500. Uh, this but the Texans were 9-7. They're like, no, I thought they were 7-9. and nine. They were 9-7. and seven. They're like, something needs to happen. You know what I mean? Like, but or only two teams at a time can rebuild in any division. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't have every team on blow it up mode. Even though you do see the upward trend in the Jaguars, that AFC South is is always rebuilding. I don't think they're rebuilding per se. Just to go off topic, just ever so slightly, I don't okay, think the AFC. Ahead. I don't think the AFC South is rebuilding per se. I just think they're poorly managed football teams in that division. They're that they are probably they probably. Ha- are the four worst managed football teams in the NFL right now? Speaking about the Titans, the Jags. Well, the Jags are on the upward trend. Jags are on the upward trend. The Colts and the Texans. I mean, how do you not have a franchise quarterback or at least a, a, something, some semblance of a steady presence as a quarterback if you want to be a division uh, contender, uh, champion? Well, I think it kind of shows the is one of those things why franchises try to go to boom or bust route because you can be the Houston Texans that laid in that me- mediocrity but like had high hopes for like five to seven years with the likes of Matt Schaub knowing that you're not going to go there with Matt Schaub or you're just going to suck so then you can get the talent that you need so whenever you do have those teams you can capitalize on it and, you know and they're one of those like cases of trying to be good when you should just blow it up. But I mean, it's it's their defense that keeps them in there, and they have they've always they've had a good head coaches. And I yeah. mean, it, 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 outside of when what Kubiak lost Matt Schaub, and then his, his, his and then he couldn't find a quarterback for those couple of seasons, and he lost his job. I mean, he was a good head coach with with, with the Texans, but uh, uh, get you back, but back to yeah. the game. They got Back to the completely game. dominated. Yes, they got completely dominated. Yeah. That's that. That's that. I mean, I don't want to spend all the time talking about the Bengals, the beauty, <laughs> the beauty that was the Bengals and the Steelers. But I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, I've I've heard all the talking heads talking about, and I've heard enough of Bursett and the gift and the curse that he is as a football player. He's the most talented player on the on the Bengals defense, and yet the most destructive player on on the Bengals defense. And it, he showed you all in a matter of what two minutes why he should have gone in the first round and why he went undrafted. Yeah, yeah, like uh, it was. It, he was out there making plays, though. The thing is. At the end of the day, he knows how to play football, and he's menacing. And it's good to see that somebody has to be the bad guy in the NFL. We haven't had a good villain in a while because, you know, you got J.J. Watt, who is, you know, the anti-quarterback, but he has the persona that the good guy persona that quarterbacks have. I mean, you I'm need somebody t- with I'm, that. I'm getting a little tired of J.J. Watt. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody's tired of J.J. Watt, dog. That Mr. All-American thing is kind of over, dog. It, We're done with it. Oh, we know you're not Mr. All-American. Hey, I'd rather you be Gronk than, than try to be Mr. All-American. I don't you know, just... He He serves his role, but as I'm just tired of watching Captain America. 
You know, it's like it's cool. It's cool. We get it. You're 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 good and pure. You know Tim Tebow's son. You know what I mean? Like you're not that pure. <laughs> uh, but but surprisingly, man, like I don't want to be rude, but if I hear people start bandwagging on the Chiefs uh, going into New England, <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy. But back to Burford. He played a perfect game, dog. Like he played the hit a wonderful wasn't that game. bad. The hit wasn't that bad. Unnecessary, but it wasn't that bad. It was very unnecessary, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, he took one step, and that's when he made contact with with Brown. No, he he took when he took he had his shoulders. He was coming. He 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 meant you could see his intent was to cause bodily harm to Antonio Brown. But after the the ball touched Brown's hands, Brissett took one step, maybe two, contact with the shoulder. With the shoulder. And, with the shoulder. And with that's how he wasn't trying to kill the man. He was just trying to dislodge him and make a good football, an old school football play. Because it, it, that that's what it was. And everybody. And I respect that, man. And, like, and he made the huge intercept. What should have been the game ceiling interception? Uh, thanks, Jeremy Hill, uh, for all your efforts. And but so you got to take that, man. What I cannot take is Adam Jones. No, but this is the thing. I Adam Jones did nothing wrong. The onus should fall on and 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 that sequence of personal of personal fouls and fifteen yard penalties. The onus should have been on Joey Porter and the referees. Joey Porter should have not have been on the field. He's a defensive coach trying to go out based on uh, an offensive player's injury. And because the offensive player was injured and he had no, he has nothing to do with the offensive side of the ball, why was he what, why was he out in the middle of the field? And yeah. not to mention earlier in the game what I can't remember the other assistant coach's name on the Steelers staff that that pulled Reggie Nelson's hair when he was out of bounds. So, no. I mean, there was dirty well, play on, on the Steelers' side. The Steelers never get any, like – Nobody wants that. to say anything about that. Everybody just that. wants to say – everybody wants to, to to point out that, look, see, I told you these guys were bad as far as Bursett and Adam Jones, which, yes, they, they have a track record of, of – of not being the most upstanding uh, football players and citizens, yeah. But I mean, yeah. still, but Pac-Man stuff is like five, six years ago. People need to get over it. But yeah, but you I, know what? I'm going to tell you this: as Pac-Man being a black man, they'll never get over it. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Never. It's just it's just that plain and simple. Well, it's, it, it, yeah, you know I, it's I, true. I, I, and, and I, as I, much I, as you don't want to agree, you know it's true. It, it's going to it, it's going to stick with him because if it hasn't gone by now, it won't. It won't leave. It will never go. Yeah. But as far as the matchups coming up uh, this weekend, man, um, three of the four matchups are rematches from the season, and then you have that KC New England matchup where the last time they New England faced KC, they got blown out what forty four to fourteen or forty to fourteen something. Yeah. To that. Yeah. But that was last season. Yeah. Uh, and so, which one of these matchups is most intriguing to you? Really, like that's not even close because but, I I I want to say that it's not close because I'm a big Peyton fan. You know what I mean? 
And this could be Peyton's last game. And to play that against the Steelers. And what if they don't do they have Big Ben? Do they not have Big Ben? Do they not have Antonio Brown? There's so much intrigue that'll happen before even kickoff starts. I have to lean that way. But from an on-the-field standpoint, KC and New England is interesting because KC's pass rush is absolutely no joke. And can Tom Brady uphold that whole offense when when those boys are breathing down his neck? I mean, the good thing with that, uh, as far as with the the Steelers and Broncos, all signs point to Big Ben playing, but it's pointing that Antonio Brown's not going to play. He's got a concussion. He hasn't passed a concussion protocol yet. We're still early in the week. I thought he was faking, baby. I thought he was. Hey, faking. that's what Adam Jones is saying. But we'll see. If he plays, then he could have very well been faking. But if he not, if he doesn't, then you you can see you. We know he wasn't. But as far as, I just don't know if Peyton Manning is going to be able to hold up. I mean, he's old. It's going to be cold. And it is old. It is going to be cold. And that Steelers defense is playing well, especially that front seven. That Jarvis Jones is starting to show up now and showing the potential that he had when he came out of the University of Georgia. They got the rookie in Bud Dupree who's pre- uh, playing well. They got Ryan Shazier. And, and and just think, Lawrence Timmons is the old – well, not no, Lawrence Timmons isn't the old man on that. They still have old man James Harrison out there, which uh, I don't know. The oldest of old man. How is he still playing? Now, like – you know, I wish him the best, but really, really, James, there's no secret sauce you got. No, you know what I mean? No, no nothing. I, I don't believe you. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't believe you. So, it, 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 it's going to be good for Tom, though, no, facing KC. He's going, he should be getting his uh, full complement of receivers back, especially it's going to be good for him to get Julian Edelman back. Julian Edelman's been practicing for the past month. And he should be cleared to play this weekend. Now, it's going to be telling, seeing as how he hasn't been hit in the past month, and he's on a probably 80 to 85% healed foot. Um, what's going to happen if he has to take a, a huge blow? Is he going to let that ball loose at least one time? But they still got yeah. rumbling down the middle, and those KC linebackers aren't good in coverage. They're only good at rushing the passer. Well, yeah, that's going to be huge. Gronk is going to be absolutely huge. But I think Edelman is not going to be as big of a factor because one thing that people, you know, nationally may not be talking about is Marcus Peters is a real baller. Uh, So is Sean Smith. You know, so he is going to absolutely suffocate Julian Edelman on 85% of the foot. Like, you want him to be full speed going against Marcus Peters. And that's going to, like, really limit, you know, what New England can do. So maybe KC should make those adjustments that they can do a lot more doubling or shadowing Gronk because they know that that matchup is in their favor. That's true. And that's one thing. Kansas City doesn't get a lot of talk about their secondary like, say, uh, the Seahawks do. Like, the Seahawks are Cam Chancellor, uh, Earl, and Richard Sherman. And they have no other cornerbacks. Yeah, but, who's the other quarterback? You know. I mean, KC's got Sean Smith. They've got uh, Marcus Peters, and they have Eric Berry, who's back playing at an all-pro level after beating cancer. Yeah, I mean, that's quick. one of the field. That's one of the feel-good stories of the NFL. 
Yeah. But what about the um, Seahawks and Panthers, man? That was a good game earlier in the season, and the Seahawks are trying are seeking revenge, and the Panthers want to show that they're actually a championship caliber team. And what's the best way to do it to beat the team that's going to back to back Super Bowls? Yeah, and Josh Norman did point that out. Uh, you know, uh, the whole to be the best, you have to beat the best. You know, I'm professionally calling this uh, the Sierra Bowl. You know, uh, because Cam used to date Sierra. Russ is currently dating Sierra. Uh, you think Future gonna show up? Nah, Future should be on the sidelines with the Panthers. Nah, like, man. I would, Future needs I would, to be singing the national anthem. I would. I would. Lo- oh, that. that we'll we'll get good. into that. We'll hold that it. Hope to save that. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to table that. But could you imagine how amazing that would be for Future to mumble through the national anthem? Uh, <laughs> that that would be. Like, that's must see TV. That's must see TV. All right, but on the field, on the field, what is Seattle going to be able to do? Like, Marshawn has to be back. Marshawn has to be back, like, really balling because Josh Norman is going to make Doug Baldwin invisible. Uh, And they only had one real positive play in the second half against Minnesota, which was – the play of the game. So how many times, you know, is is Cam going to go out there and not put up 14, 21, 28 points? But I mean, I you, have to, you have to think about it. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be the same type of weather in Carolina as, well, in Charlotte, namely, as it was in Minnesota. It's not going to be that cold. So that's going to be one thing that's going, going to, to play into it i mean that that cold man that thank you captain obvious but i mean you just said they you you're the one that mentioned that they only had one big play and the weather played a big factor into why seattle played the type of game that they did and that's why i'm saying there's going to be a different type of ball game the question my question is for seattle is are they going to be able to stop greg olsen because that's who beat them up and that's who's beat up that's Cam Newton's primary passing threat, and Seattle has sucked against tight ends all season long. Yeah, well, you know, it's the playoffs, uh, as Cam Chancellor, uh, Chandler's time, and, like, he's going to have to use that big frame of his to to get out on the move and actually guard Greg Olson because he's just such a matchup nightmare for Earl Thomas that it's unfathomable. You know what I mean? So. And Richard Sherman is going to be over there running go routes with Ted Ginn all day. So, you know, what What else is there to do? You know, they're going to uh, be doing sprint workouts that, on the side. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's basically what's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think at the end of the day that Cam is going to be able to make enough plays and he's just going to be able to put up too much point, too many points for Seattle, period. So, do you think that the Packers are going to be able uh, – well, the Packers' defense, namely, is going to be able to hold up enough against this high-flying act of the Cardinals to be able to uh, give Aaron Rodgers a chance? Because when they played just recently, the answer is a resounding no. Granted, the Packers turned them all over a lot, but still, the answer was no. Uh, again, I don't think that Green Bay – was particularly impressive against Washington. I just think Washington remembered that it was Washington. Uh, and 
Devontae Adams got hurt. He's going to play, you know, but I just really don't like this Packer team, like, at all. So I can't see them going in and playing the quietly most complete team in football, the Arizona Cardinals. And plus, I like Bruce Arians. He's cool. Yeah, I can get down with Bruce. I can get down with Bruce and his in and his Kangos that he wears every, every after the game. Player, player. <clears throat> so you you like Carol? You you don't like uh, the Packers to uh, win on a rematch? No, no, because like you know, the only argument people can make for the Packers is Aaron Rodgers, and like Carson Palmer is no bitch. Like he's out there balling too. We just can't admit it because his name is Carson Palmer. But th- that offense can can move, man. That Chris Johnson hire assigning would paid off this year, like. But you know, you know Chris Johnson the, is on the injured reserve. I know he's on the injured reserve, but like that paid off. David Johnson is also hurt, I think. But like they're they're down to but they're down to last year's starter in Hightower. So like, but they can still make moves. Hightower is not on that team anymore. There, I think it was. Curran Williams is their starter from Utah State. Um, but you do realize that Carson Palmer has never won a playoff game, right? Ever. None. Well, he has not had the gift, which is the Green Bay Packers, uh, given to him before. You know, like, we'll you know, we'll see how uh, if Aaron Rodgers can go out there and exploit uh, Tyron Matthew not being there, maybe. But otherwise, I don't see it. Yeah, um, but I am more excited about these matchups than uh, I was the the wild card weekend. These matchups, just because of the rematches, make it uh, a little bit more intriguing. Let sticking with football, the college football playoff championship. Let's just go ahead. I, I don't want to ask that question because everybody is asking that question, and I can blah 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Nick Saban, blah, blah, blah. Is he the best? Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Yep. I mean, Nick Saban is a, is an excellent head coach. That's all you have to – that's all That's all anybody can say about that. Is he the best? You argue that amongst yourselves. My question is, is, is more so about Dabo Sweeney. Do you think Dabo can keep Clemson up at this high level of football that they're playing? Because I think – it was pretty evident that Deshaun Watson was the best player on the on the field last night. Well, on Monday night. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, I think Dabo could be one of those people that, if he were to stay, he's one of those statue people. Like he's going to be a statue coach where like everything revolves around Dabo, and he recruits extremely well, uh, and he recruits at positions where it makes it fun to watch. So that's going to keep talent coming in because they play an entertaining brand of football as well. And it depends on if he's able to keep his defensive coordinator is going to be the most, uh, <clears throat> the most, uh, the biggest, the, you know, the most impact going forward with Dabo Sweeney because that defensive line has been menacing especially in the ACC when they're in the regular season against that Cal- that you know, uh, the secondary was still like very, very good, and they have guys that are returning. McKenzie's gone, but you know people are coming back on that team. And Deshaun Watson is a sophomore, so 
dude, he at least has two years, you know, a year, one more, most likely one more two. Year. It depends on where where scouts have Deshaun. You know what I mean? Whether uh, he might be gifted with you know a second, but he has one more year of Deshaun, and hey, you know, then maybe Nick Saban might have something to do with Dabo's legacy. But other than that, I don't know. I like Dabo as a head coach. I mean, he's the antithesis of Nick Saban. They're polar opposites. Nick is pure business, and Dabo is all about, hey, let's go out there, have fun, but we come to play. And it was pretty evident um, in in, in the game. And I want to know – do you feel like the game we just watched was one of the best ever championship games? It was up there. It was pretty good. Dude, the back and forth all game, that uh, freshman wide receiver from Clemson just housing them early. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson played valiantly. Like, he was looking like Russ out there for a while. Uh, and, and Bama scored 45 points. Like, who would have thought? Like, really, who would have thought that Bama, that a Nick Saban football team would have had to go out there and score 45 points to win a football game? Yeah, man. And like, and won the football game. So that was, that was, that was pretty cool to see because as much as we talked about Alabama's like defensive line coming in, uh, they really were able to, they were able to, kind of manage that dude like in better than most people thought Clemens were gonna do so it was a great game but at the end of the day Alabama is Alabama Alabama is Alabama now do you think that Nick Saban may leave Bama just to kind of wash away that stain he has on his resume uh from and and try the NFL out one more time and if 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 he were to leave what do you think would get him to leave um, where's Nick from? I don't know where Nick is from. I I I don't know. I don't know, but I don't, I'm just thinking like it have to be somewhere near where his wife is from, or he's from, and they would have to give him full control over everything. You know what I mean? It would have to be one of those situations where he got that Mike Holmgren uh, in Seattle package. Oh, where I, it's just. Everything I'm gonna give yeah. you everything, Every, everything, everything, everything. But, and, and, but anything short of that, because like, what else does he want? The admiration in Alabama, the the money, they're paying for his house, dog. I mean, like he used Texas just as a salary escalator. And so, <clears throat> the only thing he could want on the next level is power. But I mean, at, at, with his track record that he has now, he's been a college head coach for, well, in the last nine years, he's been a college head head coach. He has five national championships. With that type of track record, wouldn't you give him that type of power? Yeah, but to me, it's kind of like, I think it will, I, I don't think it'll work out, but yeah, I think you'll give it to him. I would think it works out kind of like how Rick Pitino worked out in Boston. It didn't. You know what I mean? But, see, but like think, Rick Pitino didn't have that NBA experience prior or NBA head coach experience prior to going to the NBA. Yeah. So now Nick, 
this is his second time dip, dipping his feet back in, you know, into that water. It's kind of like what happened with Pete Carroll, where Pete had that, it got that initial experience and in New England, flamed out, had to go to USC, gotten, got USC in all that trouble, and then pieced back out. And now he's working wonders within, you know, that Seattle Seahawks organization. I because think it's the it, same. No, because he got a quarterback, dog. You know what I mean? It's like, he has to step into a situation with a quarterback. Somebody has well, to Tampa give Bay him right now. Yeah, somebody Tampa has to Bay give right him now. Needs it. Yeah, but like, is is Jameis Nick Saban kind of got? Hey, Nick Nick recruited Jameis hard because yeah. Jameis is from Alabama. He recruited yeah. very hard. Yeah, like so. If 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 Nick feels that he is, then I think that's the perfect situation. But other than that. And uh, like, could you imagine how many shouting matches they're gonna be on the sidelines with Jameis Winston and Nick Saban? Like, no, no, man, you gotta be crazy, though. Like, it will be very similar to how he would come uh, off the field with Jimbo on the sideline because they have very similar temperament, uh, Jimbo and Nick Saban. You know, and they love you off the field on that field. It's gonna be some passion shown. But, I mean, I, I think Nick could respect that. I, if if you're all about winning, then Nick will respect you. And that's that's the thing. That's the only thing you got to worry about. He, he may not like it, and you may not like it, but he will respect you. And if you got the respect of Nick Saban, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So let's go ahead and get, get into this NBA talk. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> where you want to go first? You want to go Brooklyn? You want to go east or you want to go west? Let's get the east out of the way. Right, it, uh, like every time we talk about it, like the the East is so boring. Like it, even it, even though they're getting better, yeah, it, even though they're getting better, it's still so dry. It's just so bad. And you know the definition of the the Brooklyn Nets. I I don't know if they're more blind than the than the Seventy Sixers. No. Since East Smith uh, tr- was traded in, they've been decent to watch. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. They've been a quality watch. All right. So, the Brooklyn Net. You do recall when I uh, when you're, when Procroft came in and he hired Billy King. This was some years ago now. But you do <laughs> do you remember when we had this conversation? I was like, "Why in the world would you go hire a man that just destroys franchises?" No, nah. like did you, you see what shape he left the 76ers in when Sam Hinkie took over? No, nah, they still ain't getting over. It, like, how did this man keep getting work? You know what I mean? It's like, no, when you're clearly bad at your job. Man, I was I went through just because I just had to see how bad Billy King was and how much of the future he mortgaged of 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 the Nets. I mean, when he came in, he traded two first round draft picks off rip. First year, two first round draft picks that became Enos Cantor and Jor- and Gor- Gorgie Jane. And he also traded Derek Favors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also he could get Deron Williams because when Prokhorov came in, Prokhorov said he wanted to win an NBA championship in five seasons, and Billy King took that to heart. He took that to heart. Yeah. He was like he is serious about this, I, I, and so I got to get on my job. Billy, you do realize it's it, it's it's a process, man. He wants you to build 
up to a championship caliber team in five seasons, not uh, win a trophy in five seasons and mortgage the future to win a trophy. But, so, uh, you know, uh, there's a language barrier. So, you know, you never know. <laughs> you know like, <laughs> Hold on. So you thought he came in speaking Russian in the memes? You know, you know, I, I don't, I don't, don't know. Translator? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes, like Billy, if you weren't new- understanding, you can, you can always raise your hand and say, "Can you, can, can you clarify?" Yeah, you know, it's the new language. What bit. can I say? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Billy King is traded like six, no, seven first round draft picks. Seven Nets first round draft picks. They have no first round draft pick until 2019. Whoa. 2019. And that really sucks when you're bad because, like, dog, you're just giving away like solid NBA players. Dog. Like, like that they can come are going in to and be help a, your franchise. They're going to give the, the Boston Celtics potentially the number one draft pick this season. They could potentially give the Boston Celtics the number one draft pick to get a because they wanted that a aging KG, a aging Paul Pierce, and an aging Jason Terry. Uh, that was brilliant. Oh, and let, let, let's not forget the phenom that was DJ White, that the Indiana superstar. DJ oh, White. oh, not DJ White. I forgot DJ White was involved in that trade. But you know, yeah. uh, you live and you learn, dog. You know. Uh, I think Prokhorov uh, knows now, finally. He fell for the okie doke way too many years in a row. And then oh, he had to get it. How does it take six years to realize that you've been okie doke? You didn't realize this well, when he started. You know, he most likely like presented the idea to Prokhorov. And he's like, KG, yes, I like him very much. Go get him. Like, not thinking about like age, attrition, all those things. He was like, dude, that's, the, that's a big name. I got a new stadium to fill up, uh, even though it didn't really work. And I really hate that black and white. Now, like, now that we're talking about the net, I do not like the black and white. It's just not popping. Huh? And their floor is one of the worst to watch basketball on on the league pass. Like, yeah. watching a Nets game is hard enough. Watching the Nets at home is impossible. But you know what they're going for? They're going for they were going for the showtime of the East look. Like like yeah, in the, sleek, the, the black and white. Yeah, it's like no. But wait, but have you noticed how uh, during the actual gameplay, the this the stadium, the seats are darker around and the so the court looks like it's it's actually lit up and they have the spotlight kind of like the Lakers play. And that's what they were going for. But I mean, I don't I, I, like like I said, I don't understand how Prokhorov could, could not understand he was getting the Okie though. Like Billy King went out and just absolutely murdered their salary cap. Like he went out and got Deron Williams, who did nothing for them but get hurt in, in age. He then he traded for Gerald Wallace, who was doing nothing at the time and, and did nothing for them and just had a bloated salary. And then he turned around and traded for Joe Johnson. Yeah, who they're trying. Those things, yeah. those things, those things are a recipe for disaster. I'll definitely agree with you there. But you know, it looked like that franchise never had any vision, and that came from the top, man. Uh, and when you look at, you look back at it now, it looks horrible. It looked bad at the time, but you can't be surprised when it's the net. 
Man, it looked in this case, hindsight is not a 2020. It was 2020. It was clear as day when he when those trades were made and those decisions were being made that this is a recipe for disaster in the long run, especially when you're getting agent talent and trying to force that agent talent to get you to the the finals. Yeah, I think they just. I mean. To in order to salvage this organization, they have to trade Brooke Lopez, get some first round picks, and then try to rebuild that way, you know. And otherwise, I really don't even see a need to talk about who's going to coach or all these things because they got two years before they should even be talking about anything else than like trying to get back into the first round. So, um, LA is way more interesting, it is, and they traded away their best at essentially they gave away their best trade asset for two second round draft picks. And that was when they went out and made, which was probably their smartest decision of, of, of his smartest decision during his, his tenure in signing Jason Kidd as their head coach, because Jason Kidd actually took him the farthest in the playoffs that they've been since Prokhorov owned the team. Yeah. At least got him to the second round. Yeah. And he got him some picks. So, Mm-mm. You can't you can't beat it. Two second round picks. That basically gonna turn into nothing. Hey man, Draymond Green was in the second round. People can say that. You now. know that's like a statement you, people can say. Oh man. You yeah. do realize that, that Draymond Green pick was a Nets original pick. <laughs> <laughs> I got shit you not. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, that's too good. That's too it is good. too good. <laughs> But all right, so the Lakers, man, what is Mitch Kupchak thinking? I I can understand the respect that he has for Kobe Bryant, but how one do you of, just one of the buses said, "Let's get this paper this year." Which one? You know which one. Which one? It's it's, it's, it's Junior. It's it's young bus. It's young okay. Jimmy bus. And let's get this paper. We'll worry about everything will work out with the Lakers. Don't worry. Let's just get oh, this Kobe money. And, you know, we made the right picks, but they're not thinking about the psychology of a player. And they're seeing it play out with the differences between someone with Julius Randle's, uh, you know, the way his mind works and the way that somebody like Daniel Russell's mind works as he has progressed. Mm-hmm. Those, those those cats aren't happy right now, man. They're D'Angelo Russell is putting on a good face, but Julius Randle is letting letting you know that I am not happy that I have to take a back seat to a bum Kobe Bryant right now. Like I respect the cat, but I shouldn't be having to take a back seat to a 38, 38 year old inefficient man. But that but. but son, this is what you're gonna do this shit. Either it's gonna make you stronger as a player. Like it seems to be with D'Angelo Russell, who's continuously like improving. Like he looks better every time I see him. And uh, Julius Randle, who has all the talent, because we've seen it in flashes earlier in this year, but now he he doesn't see the long term vision of the organization. You know, but like, is that is, is that on Julius Randle or, or is that on Byron Scott, uh, Mitch Kupchak, 
and and people within the organization by not helping him see the long term. Yeah, because you got to remember he's a kid, and most kids only can see the end of their nose. They want they, to the end of their nose because they're not that far sighted just yet. True, true, but they have to get into you know his eyes, so they do. They are responsible for some of the blame because they haven't been able to drive home the message. But at the end of the day, Julius Randle has to make sure that he keeps his eye on the prop. He does. But I think the big problem with Julius Randle right now isn't the fact that he's not keeping his eye on the prize. It's the fact that he's it's the same issue that people that that reared his ugly head in Kentucky is that he has a problem finishing over length. And when Julius Randle came into the NBA, you know, people were like, well, that was a Kentucky issue because um, what, what's his what was that? What's that boy's name in Kentucky? Calipari? Yeah. Yeah. Calipari had him playing in the post. I'm sorry. I had a brain fart. I couldn't remember. You couldn't remember, remember John Calipari. No, nope, okay. could not remember John Calipari. Right. But he had him playing in the post and Julius Randle is a short arm power forward. And he he. Reminds me a lot of Anthony Bennett. I don't mm. know if that's a good thing or mm. if that's a bad thing. I don't he's, think he's so, Anthony dog. Bennett with a better motor. He's in, I don't think he's Anthony Bennett. Like I, I think Julius Randle has a lot more will and talent. Uh, I think he's seeing. I think he's frustrated because he's seeing a player of his type be considered one of the best in the NBA now. And he knows he's more talented than that guy, so he just wants to be Somebody, a shot. Draymond, Draymond Green, dog. Like but Draymond he, he Green, he doesn't. He doesn't have the skill set of a Draymond Green. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't think. I don't. I, I hope he doesn't think he does, but he doesn't. He doesn't have the same handles. He doesn't have. He definitely can't shoot the ball as well as him. Uh, shooting is infection. Uh, and being in the gym with Steph and Clay, every it's it's one of those like. Rising so, sea rises on boats, dog. You know what I mean? It's like rising top. Uh, but and you know, Golden State first class organization. The you know, uh, so it's just a different way they go about training and grooming over there. Uh, but the Lakers need to kind of steal some of that philosophy. I mean, you. Oh yeah. No matter. My thing is, no matter even if you want to cater to Kobe this season and you know make this his farewell tour, you can do that. You can do that. Nobody is saying not do not to do that, but to do that at the expense of developing your younger players to make you a a, a destination and attractive to free agents when you have big years and free agencies coming up where Kevin Durant and amongst others are going to be free agents are going to be potential free agents. I mean, you you can't do that because imagine what. I don't know, man, because, like, I think some of this is, like, to be continued, you know, because we have how are they going to shift the minutes as we're into the second half of the season? You know what I mean? And the post the all-star break, you know, it could be a 180, you know, or at least reducing Kobe's minutes by five to seven a game on his way out, you know, let him decrescendo on out now that the whole big splash of Kobe being gone is like gone and now it's just like a daily like decrescendo. I I, I can feel that. I think they're they're leading up to the climax at the All-Star game where 
you know, he'll get his whatever, his huge fanfare, and it'll be all about, oh, Kobe this, Kobe that. And then he'll just fade out nice and slowly. But, I mean, it, you can see some of that happening right now with him not playing a lot of fourth quarters and him sitting out and giving, and those minutes are having to get spread out. But I just didn't like the fact that Mitch Kupchak came out and said it. Like, you just don't come out and say it. Why? Because it's, it's a mental thing. With, Man, with a young player, no, like, it is. It is a mental thing, but this is what the business is, young man. The sooner you grow up, the sooner like this, you can have this system work for you, not against you. You know what I mean? That's but true. this is what it is. So I don't know. Maybe I just don't like Byron Scott, and I think Byron Scott is the worst head coach to even try to have on that team. He, I think that's more so what that is. He may I be think, the worst you know head coach of all time. Like he has to be the longest. Time. The longest tenured bad coach I've ever seen from from as far as how many leagues he's actually coached in the NBA to how bad he is makes no sense at all. At all. Like he, like, he had like a young Jacques, Chris if, Paul. Like if Jacques Vaughn was a coach for 15 fucking years. You're like, how the fuck was Jacques Vaughn a coach for 15 years? Well, at least Jacques Vaughn nurtured talent. And he Jacques Byron Scott is like a, a um, you know, Jacques Vaughn was your A to B coach. Yeah. And now you need a team to take that team from B to C. Byron Scott is like your D to A coach. Okay, we we, we got to this point. Now we just need to regress. Totally. <laughs> Go get Byron Scott. We finna lose. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're getting ready for a rough patch. Byron, you want to collect a couple million, get some more L's? He's like, yeah, shit. Sure. Yeah, uh, like, we, we only gonna keep you for a year though. Oh, that's cool. He's like, that's <laughs> no, that's fine. I wasn't doing anything next year anyway, you know. So might as well collect this check. I don't see, I don't see Byron Scott staying longer than a year, man. No, not if they, you know, if 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 Kobe's gone, Byron Scott, Byron Scott got to be gone. Yeah, he's gone. I can see them going to get. I mean, you got to get a coach that matches that team. That's going to match that team. I wouldn't mind seeing them go get like Luke Walton, somebody like that, and really seeing if Luke Walton can coach and bringing in somebody young like that. Not going to get going out and getting one of these old head established coaches. I say Luke Walton. It doesn't have to be Luke Walton per se, but just a, somebody in in that in that young age range. Use mode. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, and you want somebody Not in like the NBA, out. and you want somebody in the NBA. So, yeah. Yeah, you want to get a young assistant, a good young assistant coach, one of the uh, bright mind offensively, and just surround him with veteran assistant coaches. Yep, I think that could work. That could work. I, I just hope. And since Luke Walton has, at the same time, a zero winning percentage and the greatest winning percentage of all time, all wrapped in one, you really can't go wrong with that. You can. I mean, hey, what what can you say? And I mean, he does, he he comes from he, a pretty good basketball mind, and and with his dad, his dad is 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 a little cuckoo, but Bill Walton is is a is a very intelligent dude, and he understands the game of basketball. I do miss Bill Walton. I do miss him on uh doing Not commentary the game. I do. Like Bill Walton. I do. Bill Walton is. Listening to him is like someone giving it's you like, a play by play 
while on acid. You know yes. what I mean? <laughs> it's like taking the acid trip. Like, you know the best, and I'm just thinking about this, like the, the best announcing duo, like play-by-play duo would probably be Bill Walton and Hubie Brown. Oh, that would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. The kind of way that Jeff Van Gundy and uh and uh, Mark Jackson <laughs> together. Oh yeah, that'd be good. And then they have somebody to uh, keep them afloat. You know, they can bring them back to reality. It's like Hubie, you're getting too detailed. You know, Bill. There's but who could, who could rain, who's gonna rein those two in though? You like think Mike, Mike Tarico? Tarico? No, I hate that. I only Mike Tarico, dude. Mike Tarico does not waste a word. Like, listen to Mike Tarico talk. Like, every Mike Tarico segment has the perfect amount of words and the perfect amount of time. Like, dog, Mike Tarico is absolute perfection as a broadcaster, dog. Like, as far as like the technicalities of it. And I, it's like once you realize it, you notice that stuff everywhere. That's kind of like how Bob Costas was when yeah. he was doing his announcing. Yeah, I wish Bob would come back and do some more play-by-play, man. Not yeah. just Bob's still sulking because he's not the commissioner of baseball. You know, <sighs> come on, Bob, get over that. Get over it. It's it's cool. Rob Manfred got that. It's over. Rob Manfred looks like that dude. You know, looks like you somebody's dad. You pull up to the house and he just looks down at you, looks down on you the, all the time. Yeah, like he just better than you. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, uh, he's one of those kids, man. One of those kids. All right. Well, I guess we cover everything. We did, brother. That we did. Right. Well, time for uh, me to get some rest. I'm old. Yeah, man. You do. You. Oh boy, them them bags is packed oh. under them eyes. Hey, man. Time to take a flight. Jet life. Jet. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you ain't gonna take no flight. You finna go to the sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, thank you everybody for uh, listening in. Whether it was live, whether you downloading this and listening at your leisure. Um, of course, I'm Darrington. You can find me at all things at Random Discourse, and that being all things being uh, Instagram and Twitters, and eventually the Periscopes and my fantastic co-host Anton. Please say the D. On all things, primarily Twitter and Instagram. Hey, yeah, well, like everything else is like, uh, like I got a Snapchat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, it got like two stories on it. You know what I mean? So it's like... It's more like a, a working framework for something I'm working on. Yeah, but um, if you happen to come across us, we are on iTunes. Uh, give us that five-star rating, please. And if you would like, comment. You can find us always at www.randomdiscoursepodcast.com. Um, there is a... Uh, a blog on there you find a story you, you should find a, a new story at least four times out of the week primarily not on Tuesdays when we're recording um, and also on SoundCloud random discourse on there as well peace everybody